Uh, Father, we just thank you uh, for today and we thank you for what you've implanted in us as a church. We thank you for what you're going uh, to spark today and what you've already sparked. We thank you, Lord, that uh, this, this will be an encouragement to us to press into you and to see what um, and how you're leading us in this season. So we pray, have your way by your spirit and through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week we got together and we broke down into small groups and we started to talk. And I don't know if you, if you felt the moment, but there was the moment that I heard the penny drop. I don't know if you felt it or if you heard it, but there was that moment of clarity at the end of the service where uh, in your groups of four, you had just been talking about who Jesus was to you. And then I asked you to talk about your difficulties around sharing your faith and evangelism. And I strategically use that word evangelism because that scares us, doesn't it? To say evangelism, we go, oh, that's something I can't do. And the penny dropped when I said, did you hear yourself share about Jesus and who he is to you so easily? You didn't have any time to think. You just had 10 seconds to share something about who Jesus was for you. And I tell you, there were many people that were encouraged by what you had to say. And then I said, well, what's, what's evangelism to you? And, uh, and why, how do you struggle to do it? And you were like, oh, I don't know what to say here. And, 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 and God just showed me in that moment, every one of us can talk about our love for Jesus and how much he loves us. But not many of us can evangelize if we use that strict term because it scares us. And that penny dropped and you went, oh, I can share my, te- my testimony. I can share my faith. And I can expect that Jesus will work through that. And I think I'm really looking forward to the testimonies of you actually stepping into that. Did anyone take the opportunity this week to share about Jesus with someone? Nice work, nice work. Anyone else? Yep. It's good. So it it should become a natural fruit of who we are. Our conversation should come into this because if we're in love with Christ because of what he's done for us and how he's brought us into his family and how the Father is so good to us. If we come to the understanding of that, it doesn't necessarily matter if we can't quote the reference from the Scripture. Scripture actually becomes a part of who we are. And it naturally flows because we're sharing about Jesus who is Scripture. Is that right? Do you understand that? It becomes an easier process than saying that you must learn the Romans road and you must win the argument that you're going to have. And you know, you must. No, no, no. It's nothing about that. It's just about sharing who Jesus is. So I'm looking forward to that. But this week, I believe the Lord wants me to share a little more and challenge us as a congregation to lift up our eyes. So we need to not just lift up our voices, we need to lift up our eyes. And I think. The two run hand in hand. If we lift up our eyes, as I said last week, lifting up our eyes and seeing that the harvest is white, when we lift up our eyes, it actually lifts our expectations because we see God at work. I've never seen a farmer walk along the headland of his property and not look at his crop. Have you ever seen that? Have you ever seen a farmer drive past his neighbor's place and not check out the wheat crop that his neighbor's planted? No. I don't think I've ever seen that. And if we do, we've got a very depressed farmer and we should get around that farmer and help them and encourage them before something drastic happens. But I've never seen a farmer walk through his property like this, 
with blinkers on. Maybe his horse, but not the farmer. Am I right or am I wrong? Yeah? So, so the farmer builds his expectation and lifts his faith by looking at what is white and ready to harvest. He, he doesn't build expectation on the premise that he can only see the dirt that's in front of him or her. He can only build the expectation, get the header ready, get the bin ready, get everybody in place ready to strip that crop. Why? Because there's a hope of a harvest. They could see, they could go and they can check out the grain. It's the same with us. When we lift up our eyes and we see that the harvest is easy, that it's ready to fall off, our expectation lifts. Our expectation builds. We can get the, the, the equipment in order. And if you look at it from a biblical perspective, the equipment is you. You are the harvester. You are the one that brings in the harvest. No one else. And, and, and like I said last week, it's an easy harvest because when it's white, the grain falls out easy. It doesn't even need to be thrashed. So, so we think about it. Jesus is saying this is not to be overthought. It's not to become a burden. It should become an excitement. Because there's so much harvest, 10, 30, even 100 fold that which was planted. Amen? So, so when we lift up our eyes, our expectation raises. Our faith goes through the roof. And who knows God's attracted to faith? Absolutely God's attracted to faith. It's like, it's like a moth to the flame of the light. The light comes alive in us and God goes, wow. And he puts his finger on that. Who doesn't, who doesn't like the blessing of God when he highlights something? So I see a principle at work that we won't ever see a harvest unless we lift up our expectation that we are harvesters and to bring it in. There's a principle at play here. And I think, I think we've done, not as us as a church, but I think the church has done this massive, um, they've missed the key. If you're talking principles, we've missed a key. We look at the book of Acts and we see the great outpouring of the Holy Spirit, don't we? The Holy Spirit is poured out. We see uh, the, the people in the upper room, men and women, tongues of fire. We see them prophesying we see them speaking in other languages we see them declaring the goodness of God and we see God adding 3,000 to their number and then we sit on our hands and we go we understand that God moves powerfully but that was just for then what is the key element that's missing because God's poured his spirit out on all flesh his Spirit is available here and now, and many of us are walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. So there's something else at play. I do not believe that Peter and the disciples and those who were in the upper room were sitting down and just waiting and waiting and waiting. I'm sure Jesus had told them, 
to continue to pray for the harvest. I'm sure Jesus told them to be expectant and to be ready. When you're waiting for the crop to develop, you're looking at the crop, you're watching the crop, you're praying for your crop because you don't want it to fail. You're allowing God to rain on your crop. Like I said before, with the oil getting ready to do what the Holy Spirit is doing in that prophetic image. There's something that's amiss, and that is this concept or principle of lifting up your eyes. From the time Jesus ascended to the time that the Holy Spirit came and was poured out at Pentecost, is not a long period of time. But yet we see that these people instantly moved in the power of God and people instantly gave their lives to Jesus and were saved. So when talking today is helping us to lift our expectation because it's only exponential growth that's going to see an end time harvest that God is wanting to see. He can see the fields are white for harvest. Can you? And that's my question. It's a little over two and a half years since our leadership transition between Pastor Rodney and myself. You know, God is, is and has been doing amazing things with us, even in the midst of great trial. I believe God put a vision in me and a tenacity within us as a church to see the kingdom expand and see the church grow into all she can be. Now, let me just share a couple of these things for you. Firstly, this involves positively impacting the biggest problems within our community. Homelessness, the hungry, poor, a faith-based Christian school, looking at the biggest problems within our area. Secondly, seeing the gospel spread to all areas of our community, impacting all generations, subcultures, and people groups. This is not a church focused on one people group. It's not a church focused on one demographic. It's a church focused on the harvest. Amen? When you're focused on the harvest, you take all the grain. You're not picky and choosy. You take all the grain. That which is left wasn't ready to be harvested anyway, and it's left for the poor in the concept of the farming in the Old Testament. But in our case... Jesus says the harvest is white, ready to fall. Right? We take the whole grain and nothing but the grain. Do you understand? We don't need to sift the chaff. It's already done. It, it, it's, it's this concept that we've just got to gather it. We've got to strip it. We've got to make sure we pick it up. We've got to make sure that we help those that have fallen to the ground up again. Hmm? Sometimes it takes a lot of work to strip the harvest. Well, it always takes a lot of work to strip the harvest, actually. Thirdly, strategizing how we train, equip, and resource new leaders, new pastors, and influencers in our community. Notice I'm talking here not just about in our church. Pastors, leaders, and influencers within our community. There's only so many pastors a church can have in its one place, amen? But we need pastors in every area of our 
our society, every level of society, every influence part of society. We need ministries in there. And I'm talking the, the gift of shepherding, okay? Fourthly, seek the Lord's faith on planting churches. And this is something that's really stirring in me at the moment. Sometimes our dreams are too small. Sometimes it's due to our vision of the harvest. Have you ever stopped on the side of the road and you've seen kilometres upon kilometres upon kilometres of wheat standing tall? Have you ever done that? And just looked across the hills where there's just straight lines and you can obviously see that it's been planted with a satellite, you know, satellite navigation guidance. It's amazing, isn't it? Within Griffith, we're a horticultural place as well as broadacre farming, okay? Within Griffith, I think what we tend to do is we look at the small blocks, the small plots, and even just around here. We don't tend to go out and around the farms too much. But if you look around here, we've got approximately 18 acres over there. Um, there's approximately 30 acres here. Just next to us, there's five acres. Just next to us where the Hindu temple thing is going, you know, it's about five or six acres, all right? So we, we tend to see things in small blocks, and I think that reinforces this idea that a harvest is small. Sometimes you've got to get out and you've got to go out to the, where it's broad, and, and our agronomists in the room and those who are working with farmers in the room would appreciate what I'm actually saying here, that, that when you get out and amongst it, you actually don't see any boundaries, you don't see any limitations, and I think there's a challenge in here when I'm saying rise up your vision, lift up your vision, there are no boundaries, there are no barriers, that harvest is ripe and it's all around us. In the spiritual concept, we've got to see it in those terms. We've got to get outside of our own head and our own thinking and our own limitations to be able to move into what God wants us to move. God, God thinks so much higher than us. Do you know that? At least come to that term, that God, God's thoughts are not our thoughts and his ways are definitely not our ways. Is that right? If, if God thinks higher than ours, then, then I would rather align my thoughts with God's thoughts than my own thoughts any day. So when I'm talking about planting churches, I'm not talking about just planting one church. I'm looking across the harvest field because I'm also a strong believer that if you want to harvest a field, then you need to put a farmer there. And the church I see is a farmer. Amen? So... If we want to harvest another city for the Lord or another town for the Lord or even another side of Griffith for the Lord, however you think, we need to plant churches in those places. So we've got to lift up our eyes and that's stirring. I'm looking for opportunities and waiting for conversations and you just never know what God's going to do. Anyway, that's a really interesting introduction, isn't it? I believe this is another reason God is blessing us and why we continue to see growth here at Life Source Church. Because we have a vision that sees the kingdom advanced and resourced. Just stop and think about our vision and stop and think about the fact that your leaders are not content that they want to see, keep seeing the kingdom grow. As I was saying before, this is part of the vital key that I believe the book of Acts is showing us. The apostles continually 
prayed for the advancement of the gospel. The apostles and the teachers and those who were within the church continually looked for opportunities to send people out, like Paul and Barnabas. They continually looked for ideas. It wasn't a situation where the Holy Spirit fell once and that was it, everybody's in the kingdom and now we're all happy and we can sit down and clap. It was not that. It was a partnership with God and the Holy Spirit with his church that saw them reach all of Asia, reach to the ends of the earth where we're at today. Missions is a continual effort of looking at the harvest, looking at the vision and letting God ever increase our vision. Now, you may be someone that's just come to the Lord, or you may be someone that's just starting on this journey that we're saying before last week, where you're just starting to talk about Jesus. If you get over the first hurdle, the next one becomes easier. If you step out of the boat once, the next time that it happens, it'll be easier. And it actually does something in you because you start to not look at yourself. You start to look at the harvest field that is out there. And it's the drive of the harvest field that causes you to grow exponentially. It's the drive of the harvest field that says, I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. It's the lifting up of your gaze to see where God is moving and how he's moving and how he is bridging the gap from where you are to where he wants you to be. He is saying, step out. Lift up your eyes. Allow me to use you in a way that only I can. Because I'm faithful. I'm trustworthy. I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about God. God is faithful. God is trustworthy. He's able to help you overcome all your fear. So it doesn't matter what level you're at and where your thinking is at this moment, God is perpetually wanting to take you from one glory to the next. And if you would just trust him in his hands and he would lift up your gaze to the next step and then you'd lift up and you would see an amazing harvest field before you, you will grow exponentially in yourself. And this is the vital key. That, that the Holy Spirit may empower us to share the gospel, but he also empowers us to partner with him in doing so. And he gives us vision. He gives us the ability to see. This is a, a clear scripture for me that has spoken uh, really, really strongly for a long time now. Deuteronomy 11, 24 to 25. He writes, Every place on which the sole of your foot treads shall be yours. That's interesting, isn't it? There's no clarification. There's no necessary thought. We understand what everything means. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads shall be yours. Your territory shall be from the wilderness to the Lebanon and from the river, uh, the river Euphrates to the Western Sea. No one shall be able to stand against you. The Lord your God will lay the fear of you and the dread of you on all the land that you shall tread as he promised to you. This is a perpetual promise. It's not just for the people of Israel. This is something that is fulfilled in Jesus, and it is the portion of the churches. It is a promise to Zion. It is something that God has innately put in me 
to lead this church to believe that every place that we will put our sole of our foot as he leads us will become ours, the kingdoms. Not, not life source, not mine, but the kingdom of God's. It is what births in you the faith to be able to overcome. That when problems arise, and I tell you, when you think big, problems arise, don't they? When you think exponentially, the enemy wants to rob you of those thoughts. Because he wants to undermine your faith. He wants you to look at yourself and the weaknesses in you so that you will never step out to see that God can work through weakness. God wants to do something in your life. Can you believe that? And by thinking this way, your faith will rise. Therefore, when problems come, like we might need a million dollars, that doesn't make it a problem because God says every place that you've placed your foot is yours. And you can stand up and you can speak about it and you can, you can raise the faith expectations and together you can actually accomplish that with the provision of the Lord. Like, like you might need a bigger building. Well, you know what? That's not a problem. You just make more services. And if that becomes a problem, well, guess what? God gives you the faith to plant more churches in the city. Like, don't let something become your restriction. Yeah? I've got a principal who I want to applaud because he's thinking high school, like ASAP, as soon as practically possible in his thinking, is tomorrow. Right? So what does that do for a church and for a leadership in the church? Do we stand back and we go, wow, we haven't got the space, we haven't got the money, we don't know where we're going? Or do we charge into it because we believe that God has given us everything? Because if it's God's vision, it shall not fail. It's the same in the kingdom and the church. If it's, God's, if it's God's vision, it shall not fail. That's why I see churches. That's why I see a harvest. And that's what we're being called to do. Lift up our eyes and our expectation. Get them off our limited resource and see that God is an unlimited being. There is no limitation in him. And I think I think too small at times. And he smacks me around sometimes and says, stop thinking that way. So when the other day when Mr. Fox, I'm sharing this, this is actually something that would not normally come out of my office. But when he said it to, in front of me and the pastors the other day, I said, well, you better start believing for $4 million then. Bang, like that. Why? Because I would not let unbelief take the moment. True? You've got to capture your thoughts and not say, no, we can't. But you've got to say, in Christ, we can. Yep. Does that make sense? Like, this is who we are. So I want to finish by giving you these 10 things that help us think exponentially. We're within, um, when I come back from Brazil, I'm going to go on a couple of weeks holiday, all right? And then I'm going to come back and I'm going to see... An amazing church that's full of faith. True? Right? Not because I'm here, but because God's here. Yeah? So when Jesus is in the room, faith is expected and rises, doesn't it? Okay. So when we come back, my aim is to go to dual services, like I said. 
Okay, we can do that. It's going to be an inconvenient time, but you know what? Praise God, it's going to be a time of growth. To launch this, how I'm going to launch it with you, do you remember when we are in the old church in uh, Driver, when we were over in the building over there, we did a 40 days of purpose, those that are still in the church today. Rick Warren uh, campaign, 40 days. Um, you can actually, there's still two paintings down the back above the kitchen window that were done for that particular moment. So if you, if you haven't heard of 40 days of purpose, you were made for a mission and you were shaped for serving God. They come from that, from that 40 days of purpose. When I come back, we're going to launch into a seven-week campaign, 50 days of transformation. We're going to see that not only faith rise, but we're going to see us transform as a church completely. I've already sat down with different leaders and we've spoken it through. They're already on the hunt. They're already starting to pray. They're already starting to build faith. They're already starting to do things to build for this. And I'm, I'm launching this 10 weeks out because I'm saying to us as a church, expect great things. The only way we can expect great things is if we pray into it and as if you as a church would begin to invite, start to pray for someone that you can invite over this period of time. Invite them into a, to a home group. Invite them to come to church with you. You make the effort and go and pick them up. And bring them to church. And for that 50-day campaign, you're praying for those people. If everyone does that, I'm going to throw some figures out here. We're currently at, Amy, I'm going to need your hand. James, I'm going to need your hand. Eight groups. We're currently at eight grow groups, give or take. I've asked them to think and to pray. And I said, you know, we need at least 12 to 15 extras. I'm going to throw a figure out. If every one of you invite friends, we're going to probably need 30. Right? Lift up your eyes, yeah? Start thinking exponentially. Right? If everyone invites one, we've doubled. Yep. But everyone is connected to someone who doesn't know Jesus. Is that right, Steve? Yep. So you're already reaching some of your friends, aren't you? Right. New Christian. Okay. Thinking exponentially. We've got to break the poverty mindset. Right? So you've got to break it in this way. That means 30 people or 30 couples need to stand up and say, I'm in. I can open my home, I can play a YouTube video, I can boil a kettle, I can make a cup of tea, yeah? I can make sure I can go and see Amy and James and make sure I've got the material. It's not that hard, is it? Yeah? Like, the harvest is white, give it a little shake and some grain might come out. Right? And some of you are sitting in the room and going, I can't do that. I'm not a leader. Rubbish. Any one of you can host a group. Come on. You've been coming to church long enough. You realize that? God wants to use you. And he may just use you in that seven-week campaign to see two or three families come to Christ. Wouldn't that be an amazing thing? Yeah? I think about it, church. The reason I'm going to double services, the reason I'm putting the pressure on our leadership is not because I want to have one service of 20 people and one service of 150 people. Don't we want to see two services packed out and putting pressure on to have three? Come on. 
it's, to me, it's not rocket science, right? Anyway, meeting your time, Rod. 50 days of transformation. So you might hear a little bit of that coming up while I'm away, but I'm, I've got really good people, really good people that are working toward this. If some of them ask you, hey, will you partner with us to pray for this? Then I want you to say yes. Yeah? But even better than that, today, I'm asking you, will you partner with us and say yes to Jesus? And for that period of time, will you pray from now to the closing of that campaign that God will do a mighty work in you, through you, and into this city? Like, Seriously, let's get transformed for him. Some of, some of you I know are heading off to um, the mighty fine USA to go and get married, and that's all right, you know, but you can still partner with us, yeah? Why not? This is your community too. Think about it. You might think, I can't commit to seven weeks of coming to church. Well, guess what? You just did. Yeah? Like, seriously, it's not hard. I'm here every week. Get into it. Ten week, ten things. Really quickly. I want to go through these really quickly. So exponential growth. Firstly, Matthew 19 to 26b, but with God all things are possible. If we can start with that premise, like this is a rich man. Let's not discredit the rich man because Jesus said that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. There are plenty of rich men and women in the kingdom of God, is there not? Yeah, so therefore, with God, all things are possible. Rick Warren, who does these campaigns, he's an avid believer of the campaign. He talks about it in this video. When, when, when they were first challenged with 40 days of purpose, how many grow groups, we call them grow groups, but they, uh, they call them small groups. So how many small groups they needed. And he was challenged by God in this exponential stuff really, really quickly. They're a church today on a Sunday morning. Now, they're a big, big American city, right? So just got to compare the numbers. They're a church today of 25,000 people. They have 31,000 people meeting group ministry every week. Isn't that amazing? Like 31,000 people sitting around, having a coffee, reading the word of God, praying for one another, making sure that faith is being outworked, working on the principles of God and reaching the people in their community. They see 25,000 people come into their church every weekend. I think they have like seven or ten services on a Sunday. Like, it's crazy. We started as a church probably with three people in Griffith, right? Pastor coming over from Narendra, heard the call of God, came over, starts a church in Griffith 42 years ago. Right? Three became 30 in a couple of years. 40 years later, we're 300. If we're going to start thinking exponentially in 12 months' time, we could be 3,000. Like, seriously, guys. You want to talk figures? You want to talk numbers? Let's talk numbers. 3,000 came to the Lord in one day. (laughs) All things are possible with God, yeah? All things. All things are possible. If only you would allow yourself to dream with God. These 10 things really quickly. Firstly, exponential growth is possible. Exponential. 
Not addition, exponential. I'm talking the tenfold, the thirtyfold, the hundredfold, right? Exponential growth is possible. In the midst of the biggest drought in biblical record, the Hebrew people were provided for by a plan that God had already been outworking through his son Joseph, putting him into Egypt, Rising him through the trials and many things that he had to go through. Raising him to the place of being second only to the Pharaoh. All things are possible, right? And the nation was provided for. And about 70 people came down, came into Egypt. They were given a land called Goshen. And about 4 million moved out of there in the Exodus. Like, really? 70 to 4 million. And in that time, they were afflicted for a long time and many slaves were killed. This is how God thinks, right? Exponential growth is possible. Genesis 47, 27. Thus Israel settled in the land of Egypt in the region of Goshen. There they acquired property, were fertile and increased greatly. Wow. That's, That's a huge increase, isn't it? 70 to 4 million over a 400 year period. Amazing. Amazing. Secondly, exponential growth is the New Testament model. If you want to think new creation, you want to think New Testament, this is the model. Spirit filled, vision carrying with an active faith. That's what caused the church to grow. Spirit-filled, they carried the vision of Jesus and they had an active faith, which means they didn't just pray for it, but they said, here I am, Lord, send me. Acts 6, 7, and the word of God increased and the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. Very interesting, isn't it? The third point there, exponential growth brings honor to God. Who wants to honor God in their life? Like, your tombstone, would you like it to read that this person loved God and honoured him with their entire life? Wouldn't that be an amazing tombstone? Like, I think it would be awesome that exponential growth brings honour to God is a key here, a principle to live by. Lord, you multiplied the number of your people. You multiplied them and brought honour to yourself. Multiplication in God's thought brings honor to him. When you look at it, that's why man and woman can create a child. Children bring honor to God. Just saying, number four, exponential growth captures the attention of the unbelieving world. These are, these are, these are points from Rick Warren himself. Uh, they're not mine. I'm not that brilliant. Exponential growth captures the attention of the unbelieving world. The, the last things that have been going around here the last few months is um, no one notices us. Uh, these, these, are, these are not negative comments, so please don't think I'm being negative about them. They just don't know we're out here on this side of the town. Like, we're, we're sort of hidden on this pocket and Griffith's moving over that way and, well... Start growing and will be noticed. True? Start growing exponentially and the world will look up and go, what is going on there? 
Exponential growth captures the attention of the unbelieving world. Exodus 1.12 says, But the more the Egyptians oppressed them, the more quickly the Israelites multiplied. Funny that, isn't it? The Egyptians soon became alarmed. It was the growth of the people that alarmed them. They're going to outgrow us because the Lord is blessing them. Okay, that would be an awesome problem to have. Exponential growth is caused by God. I think it's enacted by us, by prayer, by capturing his heart, by praying what he wants us to pray. I think we unlock it, but it's still God's to give. It is caused by God. The Lord your God has multiplied you, and behold, you are this day as the stars of heaven for multitude. Deuteronomy 1.10. It's, it is the principle of the Abrahamic covenant to multiply. Faith causes increase. You can't, you can't disconnect them. It wasn't Abraham's action with Hagar that caused the blessing. It was his faith as a 100-year-old man to go and lay with his 90-year-old wife that caused the production of a child Think about it. It's not hard. It was the faith to believe God at his word that it was his wife that was to bear the blessing of the multitude. We don't want to birth, have birth, uh, have have relations with Hagar, do we? No? Say it that way. Number six. Exponential growth is the result of God's blessing. Isaiah 51.2 Ponder Abraham, your father, and Sarah who bore you. Think of it. One solitary man when I called him, but once I blessed him, he multiplied. We all want God's blessing, yeah? What does that look like for you? Is that money in your bank account? Is it a roof over your head? Is it a nice new holding... Or Ford, what is God's blessing in your life? Because if you're asking God to bless you, you're asking for God to multiply you. God has multiplied blessing in my life four times and many more with many other kids that I've got through faith. Yeah? He can do the same with you in a physical sense. But let me say, in a spiritual sense, he wants to bless you so that those that you lead to the Lord are in abundance and an exponential nature. What about this one? Number seven. Exponential growth makes God smile. (laughs) You know God smiles at you, but he smiles at your faith, doesn't he? It says in Luke 19, Well done, the king exclaimed. You are a trustworthy servant. You have been faithful with the little I entrusted to you, so you will be governor of ten cities as your reward. There's the parable of the talent right there. God blessed because they were faithful with what they'd been given. You might not be a ten-talent person. You might be a one-talent person, but be faithful with that one talent. Yeah? 
Don't compare yourself with other people. Lift up your eyes and see the harvest that stands before you and reap it. But it's exponential thinking that will do that for you. Number eight, exponential growth is blocked by unbelief. There's a negative one here. Unbelief blocks your capacity to grow exponentially. I'm going to add there my words. I'll add um, that the poverty mindset does exactly the same. They still didn't understand the significance of the miracle of the multitude multiplied loaves, for their hearts were hard and they did not believe. Mark six fifty two. People received the blessing, but they didn't understand it. But the disciples caught the caught it, didn't they? All right. So exponential growth is blocked by unbelief. We as a church need to believe, set our faces to the King, and pray. And pray and pray. Amen? Number nine, exponential growth is believing God for big things. Believing God for big things. Two scriptures here. Enlarge the place of your tent. Does this sound familiar to anybody? Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. There's a promise that we received probably five years ago. Enlarge the place of your tent. Well, it's exponential thinking that enlarges our tent. Oh, that's the wrong one. Read the wrong one. Believing God for big things. I'll read this one instead. According to your faith, it will be done to you. Matthew nine twenty nine, and James five sixteen. When a believing person prays, great things happen. Exponential growth is believing God for big things. The last one is that scripture, Isaiah 54, that I read out. Exponential growth begins with exponential thinking. You want to grow something? Move the boundary point. Move the marker. Buy more land. Build bigger buildings. Do something, amen? The last one there, Habakkuk. Lord, I have heard the news about you. I am amazed at what you have done. Lord, do great things once again in our time. Make those things happen in our own days. That's the prayer of my heart. That God would cause us to believe exponentially that the days of Acts would come again. The days of Acts may come again. Either God is quickening his people or he's not involved at all. He's quickening you and I to believe exponentially beyond anything we've ever believed or could think of before. He is the God of the breakthrough. But he's got to break through us first. He's got to break through our mindsets. He's got to break through our poverty He's got to break through our unbelief. He's got to break through the fact that we can be a selfish people. But I tell you, if you would lift up your eyes and look at the harvest that is white and ready, God will do a shift in your mindset and he will soften your heart and you will begin to pray, God, use me in this harvest. Break down the walls in my life and set me free that others could.
Pastor Rod, I would like to invite you to come and share a word around communion. This is, we will finish with communion today. We won't finish with a song. We'll finish with communion because I want this to sit with our hearts today.